This is Camp Code, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. Camp Code is dedicated to helping you create and facilitate the most effective leadership training so we as an industry can raise the bar for professionalism and preparedness of our staff. You can find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and directors at camphacker.tv. Welcome to Camp Code, a podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. This podcast is dedicated to what many camp professionals believe to be the most important time at camp, no matter what you call it, staff training, orientation, or leadership training. This critical time period prepares your staff to fulfill all the promises that you make to parents and customers throughout the rest of the year. And before we get started with our topic, I want to introduce our hosts. So Beth, start us off. Hi, I'm Beth Allison. I am co-owner co-owner of Camp <laughs> and uh, one of the founders of Co-Camp Pro. And for many years, I was an executive director of summer camps in Ontario. And now I'm a consultant. And my big passions are leadership training, really intentional leadership training, building community and building self-esteem. Great. Thanks, Beth. And Gab. Well, my name is Gabrielle Rail, and I'm one of the camp directors at Camp Waro. Camp Waro is an all-girls uh, camp where we focus on creating a positive environment for girls while doing that in English and French. Nice. And my name is Ruby Compton. I'm the Western North Carolina program director for an organization called Muddy Sneakers. We take public school fifth graders out into the woods and teach them their science curriculum during the public school day. And today's topic is one that is a, a hot topic, I think, uh, in the news right now. And that topic is consent at camp. And Gab's going to tell us a little bit more about why we chose to do a podcast on this topic. Well, I thanks, Ruby. Uh, for me, this is, and for all of us, has been a, a conversation that we've had quite often. Um, and I, I want to say that this is a topic that's, that is something out in the media a lot, but it's not something that is, um, hasn't been talked about very often. And people, uh, I, I hear a lot of different uh, conversations. And the one thing I want to make sure that we, together, we can understand that this isn't, this isn't a fad conversation. It's just that we come from a, a society that uh, worship, that dismisses and denies a lot of aggression uh, towards um, particularly women, but of course, men as well. So we're happily moving out of uh, dismissal and denial. We're moving into awareness, which is great. Um, there's a space for that. I'm really happy about that, but we have to keep moving forward and bringing that to our camp culture. And how do we how do we integrate it in a way where it's welcomed and not feared, I think is, is sort of our, our goal for today. Beautifully said, thanks. And, and I can't agree more that camp, I think, has a real role and responsibility in rewriting this narrative and this um, this framework that has existed for so long. So really excited to dig into this topic a little bit more today. So our question is, how can the concept of consent be integrated into camp? And that can be in your culture, in your programming. We're going to try to hit on a lot of those different areas where consent can be plugged in. And so Beth, can we start with you? Absolutely. For me, this is all about being upfront and honest, and I think that's how you get your best intentional staff training anyway. But for staff, this isn't something new. As we've just said, it's all over the news these days. It's something that we're all talking about. And my big thing is to have a that time during camp when everybody's talking about this very specifically. And I want to 
make sure we all know that all of your staff need to be present when this conversation happens, that you need your support staff, your maintenance staff, your kitchen staff, your, if you have staggered entries because people are writing exams still, uh, maybe you have like 12th graders um, at your camp um, or those in grade 12 if you're north of the border. Um, but um, you need to be sure that everybody is present and you're all in the same room together when you do have these conversations. But for me, I think it starts in your hiring process. You know, you need to make it clear what your expectations are in your staff applications, in the kind of organization you are, um, in how all your people will be treated, you know, with dignity and respect. And, and so none of this is new to them when they get to camp. It's not surprising to them. Um, ask questions about it during your interview process. What would you do if, you know, those kinds of things to make sure that they already know that this is these are the kind of people that you are. Um, and that be sure before you are saying yes or no to an applicant that you are hiring, that they understand this is one of the things that you hold as very important to com your community. And then you're going to have it clearly spelled out in your staff contract about you know what expectations are and that sort of thing. So as I alluded to earlier, I, I would do a session about it during staff training and explain that concept really, really clearly um, with maybe skits that you've prepped. Uh, with some senior leadership team members who you know can handle this and do this well, you never want to skit about to consent to go into the just hilarious kind of column. You want to make sure that you're getting your point home and that they understand that this is really important. But it's a good way to see it acted out or that kind of thing. Um, and there is an amazing YouTube video, if you haven't seen it yet, and I'm sure you have because it's had lots of hits, um, but it's about consent and it's something you can show to your staff. Um, and it's called tea consent. So tea, like what you drink, the hot beverage, T-E-A. Um, and it perfectly spells it out. It's really brilliant. It's talking about sexual consent, but it, it's not. It's talking about it in terms of offering someone a cup of tea. So it's really br brilliant and a great jumping off point. Um, there's another, and it's really short, it's like three minutes. There's another YouTube video called Tea, It's a Bad Idea um, that follows, that is the I think the British version of it, and it's longer, it's like seven minutes long, but it really clearly spell, spells everything out. So after that kind of a session, I think that's the time you want their input um, to hear from the staff what they think consent means in all of its forms, not just sexual consent, but all of its forms, and then brainstorm with them together ways that they can be sure they have consent from a person. Uh, before they do anything, before they give them a hug or talk about what's bothering them or share information or borrow an item of clothing um, and certainly having physical uh, romantic contact with them. Um, and I, you know, you can do that in small group discussions and debrief in a large group. And of course, you know, making a list what you as a staff have decided is really important to you. And that to me is the important part is to dis, um, is to do that piece. So I'd start there with, um, you know, really being open and honest and upfront about it and making sure they know that this is a community that fully respects and stands behind consent in all of its forms. So I'd start there. Awesome. How about you, Gab? What advice do you have here? Um, I think that I think that there's there's something to be said uh, between creating a safe space and a brave space. And mm. um, staff training is a is a good place for a brave space. And that's basically a place where we can acknowledge that we all have a form of ignorance when it comes to uh, shifting cultures and that because of implicit norms, uh, we're unaware of how some behaviors affect each other. And to create a brave space, it's a, it's a place where, you know, um, if, the, if a person of privilege and power 
is unaware of that their action could be harmful, that in a conversation, their ignorance is accepted as long as there's a space for, um, for that person of power to try and understand the other, you know, other person's position and, and be able to walk in their shoes. But a lot of the times when we're talking about these sensitive issues, um, temperaments can get heated and we have to allow for ignorance in a conversation so that that's how we, that's how learning happens. That's really difficult to do. Um, but I think that's a goal to have happen because, you know, a lot of the times people aren't trying to, you know, hurt somebody else, but because of their lack of awareness and because it was role modeled in a, in a negative way, uh, they think it's okay. Um, and I think the other thing that, and that, that it, just to be clear, I'm not saying that it's okay to be ignorant and harm somebody. What I'm saying is in a conversation, it's okay to, to, sh to share that you don't know what, it, what this looks like and what it sounds like, et cetera. Um, the other thing is, is that to try not to create a, um, make it a female male issue. It really mm -hmm. has to come down to a, uh, who has power issue and, and to clarify what does power mean. And that's somebody that's either been at camp longer than other, other people doesn't mean if they're older or younger age comes into play though, as well, uh, position at camp. So supervisors versus uh, subordinates, these are all positions of power. And it's to understand that as somebody in a position of power, it is that person's responsibility to be aware that their behaviors might not be uh, an abusive uh, behavior, but it can be an, uh, an imposing behavior. And the best way to see if it's an imposing behavior is to ask, but also make sure that you've created a relationship where the person feels comfortable to say, I'm uncomfortable. And that can just be literally having a conversation about something that is outside of the workplace. So, um, or a topic that doesn't involve, uh, you know, work. So, um, it's, you know, so we have to make that clear because we don't want it to become a male female issue though. Of course it is mm -hmm. predominantly a male female issue, but it isn't the only kind. And that's, that's to sort of open up those, that conversation, I'd say. And I think if you are listening and you are a camp director, you need to really think about um, the power that you hold. Mm -hmm. Travis used to always use himself as an example when we had this conversation at leadership training that he was uh, one of two bosses. So he was at the, the top of that hierarchy, but he was also white, educated, a man, privileged, um, mm. physically a tall, large person with a very deep voice. There was a yeah. lot of power coming from his corner um, and how he needed to be aware of his uh, power and what that meant and how he was hoping staff would help him learn how to do that. So I think as the director, if we can say to them, this is the power I have and I need to be more aware of those kinds of things. So please help me to do that. Um, I think that kind of opens those doors to a little bit more, right? When you're having those conversations. Nice. That's so awesome. And it's such a great, it's such a great exercise to do uh, for all staff members, acknowledge your power that you might have over others. And of course that goes into, you know, our campers, um, mm -hmm. our, our CITs, um, you know, what does that look like? You know, so I, I love, but I love that Travis vocalizes it to mm -hmm. his staff, that's, yep. that's an important part. 
Sweet. I want to actually use that as a jumping off point because recently I've been totally geeking out on the podcast Radical Candor. And if you haven't heard of this book that's that was written, um, they kind of have the Cliff's Notes version of everything that's in the book on a podcast. And the episodes are short. I mean, they're, you know, 25 minutes or less. And I would, if I was running camp, and I'm going to do this with my staff actually very soon, I would have all my staff listen to a few of those episodes because it's all about being um, open and honest and direct with feedback. Um, And they talk about, you know, caring personally and um, challenge directly. And so I think that can be a great place to open up the space of we're acknowledging that there is this power and these are the, there are these differences and we need to keep each other honest and accountable. Uh, so I really recommend, keep listening to our podcast, but I think that it's a great one. I think it falls right in line with a lot of the things that we say as well. Um, and it's, it's just very well done and, and super digestible. So check that out. Um, I, I think I want to start off with a couple of, again, really tactical things because that tends to be my, <laughs> my uh, jam. Um, so I think when we are talking about consent, it's really easy to frame it in the, you have to get consent, you need to ask for consent. And and that's what we tend to hit on. And I think one of the big fears that people have about asking for consent is that they're going to be told no. So I think a vitally important part of your consent training is teaching people what to do and what to say when somebody says no, because then they're equipped to respond in that situation. Um, and as I've been thinking over the, about that over the last few weeks, I think that the best statement you can have somebody say as like the automatic response to, to no, I don't want you to do that or don't touch me there is I respect that because a, as the listener, like that feels really good to have somebody say to you, uh, when you've made a, a, a statement or drawn a boundary for somebody to say, yo, I respect that boundary. Like that feels good. And also for the person who's saying that, even if it's kind of an automatic response that we've coached, it is telling them what they need to do. They need to respect that. And then forces them to think a little bit further about, okay, what does it look like to respect that? What is it, what does it feel like? Um, what how does that make me feel? How do you feel? You know, like I, I think that by having them say, I respect that, not only is that kind of protecting both party parties, but I think it also provides guidance on what is the next step. Um, and and it, it can be, I respect that and what are you comfortable with? You know, um, there's ways that you can add on to that and continue the conversation. And it's not just like it ends there. But I think if even if it did end there, that's a really powerful place for it to end. Um, so I think that it's really, really important to spend a little bit of time. And that works for campers and staff in all kinds of situations. Um, so consider that. Um, the other kind of tool I would suggest is when teaching about consent, I think there's lots of ways that consent can be taught in camp programming. I think we're going to hit on that some more in this episode. But I think the framework of like your body is a temple and nobody should touch or intrude without your consent as an overarching theme (laughs) and and an overarching concept um, is really valid. And I also think about what sort of behaviors that helps head off, right? So think about the six-year-olds who can't keep their hands to each other, to themselves, right? And they're constantly hitting each other. You can right away address that with, hey, did, did they give you permission to touch them? No. 
and here we have rules about consent and we have a consent policy. And so it's not okay to touch someone without getting their permission. Um, I think about the couple of times when I was camp directing that we dealt with like somebody running up to somebody else and pantsing them. And it's like, you know, that used to be just kind of the classic prank, but now it's like, it's so not okay. <laughs> and so the clothes that you wear are part of that temple and that makes that very not okay. Um, and I think about that child that will come up and hug you and you're like, I'm really not in the mood for this hug or you know, again, like just creating safe boundaries between your staff and the campers. Um, and I think you just need to practice that and, and have the staff practice saying words like, you know, hey, I appreciate that you gave me a hug and, and you're feeling that affection next time. Please ask me uh, because that's what we do here at camp, you know, um, and, and it's just even such if you're OK with that. Hug. Yeah. Even if you're okay. you were OK, you're taking that moment to have a teachable moment. Yeah, because um, it's just so powerful and um, is such an important skill, is such an important skill for our staff and our campers to practice. Um, so hopefully if you're thinking about like, okay, how do I, what are the large themes and how do I start putting consent into my camp programming and in into my camp culture? Um, hopefully those are some bigger concepts that'll help you get started. I think that's great, Ruby. And just to tag onto that, I think giving staff the language of how to respond or how to ask for consent with campers, especially not just with each other, because that's important too, obviously. Um, but I remember our first years of running outdoor ed and having grade eight students come up, um, you know, for a week or three days, whatever it was, and having university age men, young men, trying to help young girls, like 13 year old girls, uh, put on harnessing equipment um, and just feeling really uncomfortable. And these were young men that I would trust with anything. They were the loveliest of people. Uh, but that, you know, them feeling really awkward about it and coming up to me after and me saying, gosh, I missed that opportunity to front load with them how to feel comfortable with that. So giving them those kinds of, and as Ruby said, let them practice, say it out loud to each other so that they just feel comfortable and it becomes natural. And of course, in that they are role modeling um, how to ask for consent in not just in sexual ways, but in all kinds of ways. Um, the other thing for me, I think, and this is the really important point if you're doing a, when you are doing a session on consent at leadership training, um, is to discuss with them what will happen if they misuse consent, um, if they don't get consent. I think they should know what will happen, what they should expect. Will there be a discussion? Will there be mediation? Will they be fired? Um, and when all these thing, kinds of things would happen, we have to be incredibly clear about this so they fully understand the ramifications and its importance. Um, you know, you're going to explain how you're going to support that person who didn't give consent and um, perhaps the person who didn't get consent. Perhaps it was unclear. They didn't mean to and so on. Uh, but of course, if you've gone through this clearly at training, there should be no excuse um, for them not understanding that they needed to get consent. But consent, but they need to hear how seriously you take it and how you how you will handle it if it were to happen. Um, and, you know, sort of walk them through the steps about what it would look like should somebody bring a complaint against someone else who didn't give consent. Um, you know, particularly I'm talking for like sexual advances, advances and so on, or sexual harassment, um, especially between staff members. Um, 
And I would also then, after you have um, this list of how you're going to treat each other in the summer, I would get everybody to sign that treaty, you know, make a ritual out of it. You know me, I would make a ritual out of it. Um, like have a great song playing in the background, maybe, you know, do some sort of thing where they all dip their hands in temper paint and put it on a, you know, whatever it is you're going to do to to say, I agree to these kinds of ways of treating people with dignity and respect. Um, the other thing I would caution you on is that people tend to feel really icky after these types of necessary discussions. Um, and so you've spent all this time team building and then you talk about these kinds of issues and people feel like they don't know how to interact anymore. They're afraid to, um, you know, to reach out. So um, it's important to follow that up with like great group building activities uh, that kind of brings them back together as a community. Because even if they've done nothing wrong, they kind of feel like I'm a little bit worried about that. So um, I also think that as staff members at a summer camp, we have an incredible opportunity to teach counselors how to teach consent to campers, um, no matter what the age. So I think we need to practice that too. Like, how do you talk to a six-year-old? How do you talk to a 10-year-old? How do you talk to a 14-year-old? Um, and of course, you're going to go over that the age-appropriate language that you would use, um, but it needs to start early. Discussions that this is my body and you know all the things that Ruby said. Um, and I think it's that great place not only to have conversations with little kids, um, you know, who are changing, getting ready for swimming and somebody tickles them or, or whatever it happens to be, um, but it's a great teaching moment um, with teens as well. So if you are talking to little kids and you don't know what language to use, I highly recommend that you check out our good friend, Dr. G, Deborah Gilboa, and she has a website called Ask Dr g.com and you spell out the word doctor so ask d-o-c-t-o-r-g the letter dot com and she has uh some great information that i was checking out uh yesterday about consent with younger children how to teach like five six seven year olds about consent um and you can also leave a question for her if you don't find uh something there so this could apply for everything not just consent but um and she will answer that for you and and dr g has tons of camp experience as well as medical and parental experience so she's very wise so i would check her out um, but i also think it's a cool time to have maybe longer discussions small cabin group meetings or something like that with teenagers about consent um you know they they're ready for those kinds of discussions and they'll have a lot to say on the issue I wouldn't necessarily do it as a large group experience, um, but small little cabin groups, you know, same gender people who identify as genders, I think separated, so that you would just like have an all boys cabin together, an all girls cabin to have those um, safe discussions and have your leadership team or whomever prep to run those kinds of sessions and, and know what to say and, and say that we're practicing this at camp because it's a really safe space um, to be able to do that. Um, I think we just have that responsibility as youth development professionals, professionals to take those opportunities to have them talk about it and role play and it can't make a mistake and then, um, you know, learn what the better things are to say. But or or as a bystander, what you would say when you're 14, if you're learning about what you say at a frat party five years down the road, when you see somebody who is not getting consent, do something they shouldn't be doing what what is some of the language you can use or what should you do in that situation so having those kinds of conversations and remembering back when i was at summer camp they taught me this i think will um, do a lot to help people out before tragedy occurs that's great and i just want to hit on a point that you said beth um <laughs> earlier on in that that 
I train staff that especially like when working with harnesses, anytime, you know, you're touching body parts, you've asked for consent, just to narrate. Like if you're looking for words to use, just saying, okay, I'm going to, you see how this harness has the red part on it. I'm going to close that up and pull on it, make sure it's nice and tight. And you can give a tug on it too. You know, just if they're like, I feel really uncomfortable and awkward, just have them give a, a walkthrough narration of what's actually happening. And that seems to work pretty well. And yes, then, because then it makes sense why they're doing what they're doing to the person who's on the receiving end of getting that harness. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can't just necessarily trust a 12-year-old camper to put it on correctly. You have to check right. that out yeah. for safety's sake. But yes, narrating, this is what I'm doing. And then they, that child will understand why you are touching that part of their body after you've asked if it's okay. Yeah. And and that goes into the why with staff when we're working with kids that, you know, as you know, they're, they're not just here to learn how to rock climb. They're, they're here to learn life, life skills and life lessons. And, and we want a child to experience what it's like to have a healthy, uh, imbalanced power dynamic because Mm -hmm. counselor has more power. Power is imbalanced. And, but this is what, this is what that healthy relationship looks like. And, um, and so that teaches them, you know, for, for whoever is in a position of power afterwards, this is how I need to act as well. Or if they're in a position where they're not in power and somebody is just, you know, not taking them time to explain anything or not asking them the, the little sort of uh, bells in their head starts ringing saying, Hey, wait, this isn't, this isn't okay. So we want to do this. So we're teaching uh, campers what it looks like a healthy child relation, a healthy adult and child relationship or, you know, whatever. Um, so that's great. I love that. Hi, everybody. It's Beth. Hi there. It's Gabrielle. Hey there. It's Ruby. And the three of us love talking about staff training and sharing ideas on our podcast and at conferences. When I was a camp director, I had lots of awesome ideas about training. And then the spring got away from me in the hustle of prepping for the summer. And I didn't have enough time to implement all those fantastic ideas. So beginning in January, we are offering a course called Designing Staff Training, a masterclass with the co-hosts of Camp Code. This course will be a combination of weekly video calls with new content from Beth, Gab, and me, as well as a laid out excuse to spend time thinking about and working on training throughout the spring. Over the 12-week course, participants will share ideas with one another, be held accountable to a timeline for planning training, and have a one-on-one call with one of the hosts of the podcast. Whether your staff training is due for a makeover or you are embarking on your first staff training design, this course promises to bring you together with other innovative camp leaders across the country to help you lay the groundwork for the smoothest summer yet. There are few things that I love more than intentional leadership training. I just can't wait to work with you. Visit gocamp.pro slash camp code to find out how to register for this course. Did you have other thoughts to put out there, Gab, on this? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Um, I, think, I think the other thing is, is that, you know, sometimes some staff members are, when it comes to, let's say, uh, campers, you know, roughhousing with you or, you know, wanting to, to you know, uh, play around, they said, well, am I not allowed to, like, you know, play around with, with my, with my campers. And I say, you know, the rule of thumb is if they initiate the play, then, then that's their way of giving consent. And, um, 
I often will be, you know, walking down camp, you know, with a clipboard and maybe like a walkie talkie. And before you know it, the clipboard walkie talkie has been replaced by like three or four kids (laughs) hanging off of me. And, you know, I'm yelling, you know, you'll never stop me. And then it's just (laughs) more and more kids are coming and they're, they're grabbing onto me. But the thing is, we're playing and play is really, really important. So so just sort of ex- explaining to, to staff members, you know, if, if they initiate, then this is this becomes um, this is their consent. But that's the same thing in adult relationship. If there's a power imbalance and somebody sort of initiating a conversation, um, you can have that conversation. Uh, but you just always checking in and making sure that that it, it, all parties feel comfortable. The other thing is is that if you have a camp that has a policy of no fraternization within within your organization, consent is equally as important because it doesn't have to be um, physical. Uh, it can be verbal uh, abuse and so uh, and making somebody uncomfortable, as we mentioned before. So this does apply to you. I'm happy that you have a policy of no fraternization and you're li- listening to the podcast, well done, because uh, some people might might turn the other eye and uh, other ear and say, this doesn't apply to us because it doesn't happen at my camp, which if you think it doesn't, <laughs> you have been misinformed. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And of course, same goes to same-sex camps. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. That board as a as a director and long term uh, uh, participant at Camp War, of course, it applies to same sex camps, and that's that's equally important. The conversation might seem a little bit different, but it is just as important. Um, I think also we need to look at shifting the culture within our camp. Do we in, unintentionally create a blame the victim type culture? So if we're asking people to wear a certain type of clothes, what, what are the reasons for that, that certain type of clothes, clothing? Is it for professionalism, for, for campers, or is it because it's too unwarranted, uh, unwanted attention? How are you presenting that? So just to make sure that we're, we're being aware that we're not creating a blame the victim type, um, type culture because we know that it's never the victim's fault. That is why they are the victim. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and my favorite, favorite thing to do is to teach staff members the skill sets to create a consent-like uh, culture within campers so that it, we can reapply it to, to us uh, as, a, as a staff culture. So asking for a hug, great. Why is that important? Validating feelings. Uh, for us at Waro, we've been doing that for about 10 years. It's been an extremely important part of our culture is to validate a girl's feelings. So if she doesn't want to jump into the lake, instead of saying, don't worry about it, it'll be fine, or it's not that cold, we want them to connect with that part of themselves that say, I don't want to. And we want to give them the space to hear that because I do want our young girls when they're older to be able to say, I don't want to and not just go with the flow. Or if they hear somebody say, I don't want to, they're there to step in. And that why to our staff is so important um, when, I, when we talk about validating feelings because it takes so much longer to sit down and talk with, with this camper. Mm-hmm. It, takes, it takes a while, but the reality is, is that they're not here to learn how to swim. They're here to learn to connect to themselves and develop those inner strengths. But we have to provide the space for that. So using 
trying to teach staff members to create a culture of consent within and a safer culture with their campers, of course, translates to themselves. And it is to bring in and understand that uh, a lot of our society is still learning how to do this. But camp has to be one of the first places that we're better, that we're better than what's happening at school, that we're better than what's happening at university. We have to be better. So that takes effort and it takes difficult conversations. Uh, and that's where it starts in staff training. Um, those difficult conversations that are uncomfortable uh, because we're, that, that is our goal as, as uh, camp individuals. We have to be better than what's going on outside of, the outside of our camp. And that's how we're gonna change, change culture outside of our campus to give kids and staff those tools and have those uncomfortable conversations. Amen. So, and I think too, if you if you front load and with them before those things and say this is going to be an uncomfortable conversation, yes, people mm. might feel uncomfortable. This might be hard, and that's yeah. okay yeah. Uh, because it's an important part. It's an important part of growing up. It's an important part of, of growing um, into the person you want to become. Is that we need to have these difficult conversations, but this is a safe space, and you know we'll respect what you have to say. But, so I think if you front load those kinds of things, and if over time, uh, because of the camp person you are, because you just listen to all of our podcasts, you <laughs> have created a community um, where people feel safe and able to express themselves, then I think um, you can have those good conversations. But there are some tools out there to get you started if, if that's something new for you. Yeah. I think I think for me too, one of the things I would be, I'd be if, you know, to be front loading before you have those conversations is also, I would probably, in a conversation about consent, I would probably suggest that uh, we don't bring up our own personal experiences uh, within, mm. um, within the situation. I remember, I don't know how many years ago, but I was a young, young director. <laughs> I did this, a session on bullying, and boy, did it turn into, this is what happened to me when I was younger, uh, and this is how it's damaged me. And that's really important to create a, uh, it's really important to understand what to do with that information but I think I'd probably suggest that uh, I'll probably acknowledge that there's a statistically you know said one in four individuals have, have been uh, sexually assaulted I mean but it's way higher when it comes to just consent um, and feeling uncomfortable that the majority of us have had everything from un uncomfortable situations to inexcusable um, and horrific situations. And we're all part of this degree of, of awfulness. And um, this is a place where we're gonna talk about how can we create a, a space where we're gonna feel safer. Um, and, but if you have some personal stories and you do need to share that um, and you'd like to talk about it, uh, let's let's keep it for for later, and let's arrange a time for you. To, if if you feel it'd be helpful for me as your director or as your boss to know where you're coming from, I'd I'd be happy to 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 chat with you. Something like that, and then mm -hmm. also to make sure that during during um to tell people that they may leave at any time during the session, if <laughs> you are feeling just gonna say that yeah, any trigger warnings um that you may leave, and I might even say I might even um, Beth and I've had this experience just together um, where, <laughs> where Beth was leading a session and two of my staff members started to get um, a little bit overwhelmed and she quickly noticed 
their facial expressions and sort of gave me the side eye being like, okay, I, I think these two are having a little bit of a moment. And I went and asked if they wanted to leave the, the session and they both said no. And then I said, well, I actually, I think it might be good if you do, um, you know, I'm, I, what do you think? And then they both said yes. And the thing was, is that you probably would want to have that in place where you're watching your staff members, seeing who's visibly getting overwhelmed and asking. And I, I took them out and we went for a little walk and we had some tea and then we came back and it was very nice, but, uh, <laughs> all consensual tea, of course. Yes, it was yes. all consensual. So, and we actually did have, yeah, there you go. <laughs> nice one, Ruby. Uh, and if I, I can add, add yeah. to that, um, Gab too, I think that, um, having your leadership team, um, ready to watch during any of those kinds of sessions, like when you talk yeah. about bullying or when you talk about consent or when you talk about all that kind of stuff, because some people aren't going to say to you, yes, I have had this experience and I'd like to talk about it and share it yeah. right now, but they're just going yeah. to look upset. So if you've got your leadership team, people primed in those sessions to kind of see who's having a hard time, they can either, you know, go out with them or, you know, just to check on them and see if they need a moment to themselves or if they'd like someone to walk with them or sit with them that kind of stuff. So it's not just you, particularly if you're leading the session, you may not have the opportunity to go up and, and go outside with somebody, but your leadership right. team is there um, to help you out with that. Yeah, and I think, uh, exactly. And I think just to reiterate the, the part where I was talking about maybe not sharing your personal experiences, I think the important thing is is to understand it's not that, that we don't wanna hear, this isn't the space to hear those things, is that sometimes when people share vulnerable things it exposes them and makes them even more vulnerable afterwards to the community and there's a and there it's it's very complicated feelings that's paired with shame and guilt and when you expose yourself to a big group of people the the after ripple effect can be difficult to to handle and so i think um it just has to be taken, you know, with, with uh, a little, you know, some, some care. Um, but it's, it's to be Absolutely. clear to the staff members. It's not that we don't want to hear from you. It's that we want to make sure that it's a safe space for you to talk, um, et cetera. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Everyone's so brilliant. You guys have, <laughs> um, I, I have three points that I want to make. Um, the the first one is I, I want to talk really briefly about a, a tool and, and an idea that, Gab, you brought up for me, is that idea of I think a lot of consent is about being in tune with yourself and mindful of how you're feeling and being then able to express that. And so I talked on our last episode or two episodes ago about one of my friends who went to a yoga class and they had a card out in front of the mat that on one side had a picture and that said, I'm okay with the, the teacher putting their hands on me and, um, and adjusting my form and, and whatever else. And then that side that had words, which was, Hey, like, I don't want you to touch me today. I'm just not in the mood. <laughs> and I was like, that's brilliant. We could totally pull that yeah. into camp. And so I've been thinking about like, I think I would do a, a laminated card and one side is blue and one side is orange and orange is that warmer. Like I'm more open to other people, um, to being social, to interactions outside of myself and blue is I'm a little cooler. I need to have, you know, introvert time. And so I think about a couple applications where 
these are not necessarily consent conversations, but empowering campers to be in tune with what they need and express that and have a tool to do so. So one is rest hour, right? Like you have that card and every camper has a hook on their bunk. And when you walk in the door from lunch, you go and you, you display which side you're feeling. Are you feeling like, you know, I'd like to play a game on my bed with somebody and, and like play cards or hang out. Um, or I'm like, I'm, I'm more blue. I really just kind of want to read or sleep. Like that's what I need right now. And then you instantly have a visual for your counselors about what is it that your your cabin needs. The other point that I want to make is when you're introducing consent, I think there is this question of like, well, then can't the campers just be like, I'm not going to do any of this stuff, you know, and there's things at camp that they have to do. And so I think there's a conversation there about like consent and cooperation that when there is an opportunity to opt out, that's a consent moment. And when there's not really an opportunity to opt out, it's it's maybe this choice or this choice. That may be where you're talking more about cooperation. And, you know, there are some things that you have to do at camp because your parents signed you up <laughs> to come to camp and uh, you have to sweep the floor like you can't opt out of that. Uh, or if you're going to opt out of it, it's the alternative is is cleaning the toilet like those are your options. Um, and because you're here at camp and part of this community, we need you to do those things. Um So anyway, so going back to those cards, like I love that because it then gives the staff some tools to to get a quick reading on the group and make some decisions. So they're still the authority. They may say, we're going to do 20 minutes of quiet time and then we'll have opportunities for you as who want to play cards or or speak quietly outside that you're going to have that opportunity. But I want to make sure we honor everybody having the opportunity to have some rest and then everybody falls asleep anyway. Uh, (laughs) But I also think at like arts and crafts, right, if you have those cards and They can be used as a visual cue too. So like you start off the day and everybody is orange because the instructor is giving giving instructions. And so everybody's supposed to be connected with the rest of the group, listening and open. And then once the instructions have been given for the project, imagine a world where the campers can then look at their card and say, you know what, I still think I need help or I need further clarification or I still have questions. Um, I'm going to leave my card orange. That signals, hey, I, I, I want some more interaction. And then you have the campers who are like, yo, I got this and I just want to run with it. They can turn their card to blue and just go. And then if they have that moment where they're like, mm, I have a question, instead of having to maybe go through that embarrassment of like raising their hand and saying, I need help, which can be really hard for, for a lot of people, that they can just look at their card and flip it over. And again, it's a visual cue that's really easy for the instructor to look around and see. Um, and, and I think really empowering for the camper. So I've, I've been playing with that idea a lot. And I think there's other ways that you could pull that into camp and and do some cool stuff with it. Um, the last piece that I want to throw out there is, is I was a part of a camp that instituted a consent policy, which we grabbed from, um, university language. A lot of universities are, are training their, uh, their freshmen on some sort of consent policy based on the rape culture that exists on college campuses and the high profileness of all of that. And I really think that that consent policies and getting um, your staff to know the expectation that they will talk about sexual conduct before engaging in it um, is is a vitally important skill. And I and I am a firm believer it is the only thing that will prevent some sexual assault. I don't think it's going to prevent it all, but I think there are a lot of situations where there is this misunderstanding and miscommunication. And so if we plant the seed in both people's brain that this is a conversation that should happen before we do anything, I'm a firm believer that at least one of them will speak up. Maybe not always, but I just think it will go a long way for 
prevention in, in some situations. And in some of those, like, you know the person, there were boundaries crossed. Um, and a lot of those policies state, you know, before you engage in any sexual act, you have to get explicit verbal consent for that se- sexual act. And consent for one act does not mean consent for something else. There's no blanket consent. Um, and yeah, it can feel a little weird to be like, hey, can I kiss you? Hey, can I put my hand here? But like, you can be ultra suave about that and like make it fun. And um, and I would I would straight up say to my staff, like, if you're not comfortable talking about oral sex, you should not be having oral sex. And if you're having it with one of our staff, one of the other staff members, and then I find out, then you're having a conversation with your boss about oral sex. And if that sounds really terrible, just think about the decisions that you're making. <laughs> you know? um, and, and I could always feel the tension in the room, but it was always, it always landed. <laughs> like I, I, I knew that people were taking that message to heart and that understanding of like, the expectation is if you're going to be an adult and engage in these, these behaviors, which are healthy and normal and, you know, yeah, they, they should happen in your life. Maybe you're maybe not at camp, depending on your, your camp norms. And and that's a whole other conversation, but these are life skills, as we've said today. Um, And it's, as I talk to other adults, you start to hear people reflecting on like, oh yeah, I was with this guy. And every time he asked me before we did certain things, you know? Um, so I, I think it's only a, a good tool for us to put out in the world and have more people doing. Absolutely. I love and that, I, Ruby. I think there are two things to kind of add to that. One is that there will be camps out there that say, nobody has sex at our camp. We don't have sex at our camp. Uh, it's not part of our belief system to have sex before marriage, all those kinds of things. Fine, okay, but at the very least, you are giving them life skills for later uh, because yeah. even married people should be uh, asking for consent. Um, so please don't think that you, you, know, you, need, you don't need to have this particular conversation just because you don't think it applies to you. Um, and the other thing along that line is even if you, um, a lot of camps would say, we don't need to have this conversation because we, our, our camp is so nice. Like our people are so great. We follow the four S's or whatever our four S's happen to be. Um, and everyone feels safe and loved and valued and affirmed for who they are. So we don't need to have this conversation. No, <laughs> is all I have to say is that because you have that space that is safe and people feel valued and loved for whom they for who they are, you have the opportunities to have these intentional, honest, open conversations. Um, and again, you are teaching them life skills uh, because these are, you know, you're teaching future parents, perhaps, of the world um, how to teach their kids about consent, you know, all those kinds of things. So please don't think just because you have this wonderful camp environment, and I'm not suggesting you don't, that you don't need to have these kind of conversations. Exactly, and 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 the thing, and that's a great way to frame it to your staff. You know, it's a great way to say yes. this is. You know, it's a great way to say. You know, uh, the reason why I return every year is I do feel great here. Um, but the reason why I feel great here is because we've worked so hard to create an inclusive and caring culture um, mm-hmm. that this conversation is missing, and we need to have this conversation not because of perhaps past aggression, but because we want to make sure that we're, we're doing camp intentionally and uh, we can't, we can't create a safe culture without intentionally talking about, about consent and what does that mean? And we want to create, you know, a a better place and be educated more. So this is why we're doing this, you know, and I think that's right. That's a nice way Beth, you're so right. Um, It's, it's something that, that builds uh, a staff together. 
it's not to say that one person's doing something wrong and et cetera. Right. Yeah. And so adding into your front load that we're not having this conversation just because we don't trust you. That's that, right. You know, it, it's that we have all these other reasons for having these conversations and, and this yeah. is the place we can do it and know that it's all going to be okay mm -hmm. um, because we've created this safe community. And truly, yeah. if it were me, like, I would also lean on the current events as well. Like, I would be like, part of the reason we are talking about this is, again, we have a responsibility as youth development professionals to change this narrative. And there's there's a lot going on and a lot to process. And, and I know that we are not deaf to what's going on in the rest of the world. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think that if you're feeling like it still feels like I don't know that they're going to understand that it's relevant. Like, I think that that's another piece that you can pull in. Yep. And you're teaching them life skills too. So they don't wind up in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't wind up because they didn't think it through because they didn't realize they, yeah. you know, you're teaching them a skill that's not going to, something will happen to them that will ruin the rest of their mm -hmm. lives. Um, just because they're very nice people, but they just were ignorant to this particular thing. So that's another reason is you're, you're doing it to protect them uh, from being called out on this kind of behavior when they didn't mean to, um, you know, as well as how to protect themselves when they feel like um, they hadn't given consent and what, you know, what they should do about it. So exactly. And, and the thing is, is that that like like we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is that there is there has been negative role modeling um for people in positions of power that, that feel like, you know, um, that what they're doing is, is, is just flirting and, and, and there's like almost a cat and mouse type game. And the, the thing is, is that there might be a cat and mouse type game, but let's not, let's not play that game either. Um, and it's not, the, it's not the right approach, but they might, their intention could, could be totally innocent, but the role modeling for that individual has been wrong. And so having this conversation, we, it does protect them. Yep. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, Gab, did you want to talk about the resource that uh, you had to share, that you shared with us? Yeah. Um, so I came across this resource, which um, was created by the Canadian Federation of Students in Ontario. Um, and it's basically campus toolkit for creating consent culture. And as we know that changing culture takes everybody, it's not just, it's not rules and regulations. It's a, it's about awareness and understanding and the why behind it. And I think this, this program, uh, can help with that. If that's what you're, you know, if that's what you're aiming for at within your camp. Um, and I know we're, we're going to basically include the, the, the link in our show notes. Awesome. Great. Well, any other notes that anybody has before we move on to our recap? I think I'm good. <laughs> hey, thanks you all for um, such great conversation on this topic. And um, know that we are, all three of us are very happy to continue this conversation if you, if you want to and, and want some other tips and ideas, because I think we all three believe it's really, really important. So don't hesitate to reach out if you want to talk further about how to make this happen um, in your community this year. So with that, Gab, it's recap well, time. I'm, I'm, I've decided to go a little bit of a different direction today uh, simply because recap is usually upbeat and, ha you know, and, and I feel like the tone is a little off. 
if, if I do that uh, recap way. So I'm just going to leave with, uh, instead of a recap, a reflection. Love um, it. My reflection, nice. thank you. My reflection, well, first I'll start with gratitude. I'm very grateful uh, to both uh, Beth and Ruby for talking about this topic and taking the time to think about it um, and putting it out there. Because the more we can talk about it, the less taboo it is. And that's that's on the way to progress and safety. The second piece is that we can never create 100% safe environment. We're always on the path of a safer environment. And I'd love for us to talk to our staff about that. Because when we think that our camp is safe, that's when our blinders go up. Um, when we understand that there's a possibility for error and misjudgment, and that comes down to camp equipment, uh, camp staff judgment, or consent, uh, understanding that there's always a possibility for something bad to happen makes us a little bit more vigilant. Um, and we want, we don't want our staff to think that this is a 100% safe environment, but we're in the process of going towards a safer environment. So that's my reflection for today. You're a wise woman. So wise. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. Um, well, if you want to get involved with our podcast, you can use the hashtag camp code on social media and let us know what topics you'd like for us to discuss, any guests you'd recommend that we talk to, any of your reflections on today's podcast, uh, any great leadership training tips that you have to share. We'd love to hear from you. We are all about sharing in this industry. It's one of the things that makes this industry just the best. Um, also, if you found this podcast to be useful, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and review. Uh, you can do that in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we do have a quick link from camphacker.tv slash cc underscore iTunes uh, where you can leave a review there or you can tweet your love of the show by going to camphacker.tv slash campcodelove. That's all one word, campcodelove. And we want to give a special shout out to Neva for leaving us a comment on episode 44, which is about creating an inclusive community. So be like Neva and share your feedback because your feedback really helps keep the show going. Uh, speaking of feedback, we want you to know how to get in touch with us. So Beth, how can people be in touch with you? Well, before I tell you that, I just would like to say, just be like Neva because Neva's cool people. Um, True that. Not just, for, not just for leaving us a review or sending us your thoughts. But, um, so shout out to her and hello down in Florida. And you can reach me. Our website is camphacker.tv. You can email me directly at beth at camphacker.tv and you'll find us on Twitter with camphacker. Right on. Gab. You can check me out on Instagram and Twitter at Gabrielle Rail. Rail is two L's. And you can see where I work at warouareau.com. Cool. And you can send me an email, rubylynn85 at gmail.com. Check out where I work, muddysneakers.org. Or find me on Instagram, rubyoutdoors. And Beth is going to tell us about what's coming up on our next podcast. I think we have a bit more research to do because our next topic is 12 more quick fire videos for staff training. So <laughs> diving in we go. We're going to find some more for you. You guys love it when I assign homework, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, right on. Uh, cool. Well, our final segment on each podcast is a best practice for leadership training. And we would love to hear some of your most memorable moments or most effective tips. And you can tell us what they are, again, using that hashtag camp code. And today, Beth has our best practice. 
So I have another resource for you. Whereas GABS was probably geared a bit more to staff uh, themselves being uh, campus uh, oriented for uh, university and college age students. Uh, mine's more for your campers. So if you feel really awkward about these kinds of discussions or you don't quite know where to start with the language, there is a great website called teachconsent.org where they walk you through the three steps of consent, which are ask, listen, and respect. Um, so there's a whole piece on how to ask for consent, what enthusiastic verbal consent looks like, and how to respond to no respectfully. So there's a free video and a downloadable discussion guide that can spark conversation with, uh, I'd say middle schoolers or, or younger um, that can talk about uh, respectful and how they can ask for and give consent in their friendships and in uh, romantic relationships. So incredibly important topic to cover. So, um, you know, you want to do it so that people are treated with dignity and respect during it. So then, as always, we just want to reinforce teaching throughout the camp session and catch people doing it right. So um, that would be a good website to go to um, if you are looking for some ideas on where to get started with that, if it's not something you feel comfortable with. So again, so it's teachconsent.org. Beautiful. And I meant to say this earlier when Gab said we have to be better. I would love to hear any responses uh, that you have to this show using a hashtag, we have to be better, um, as well as our hashtag camp code. So please share your thoughts and thanks for listening. Please remember, no other industry shares its best practices the way summer camps do. If you use an idea heard on a Camp Hacker podcast, please be professional and give credit where credit is due. The Camp Code is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, Summer Camp Leadership Training and Marketing Consultants. Thanks for the listening, friends. Camp Hacker, bringing your world into focus.